evening, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, hi, Jim. Ashley, why are you dressed like you're going to a speakeasy in the caves of St. Paul? Why do you sound like that? Well, you see, pal, today's swell guest is Motomatic. That's right, friends. Motomatic, the leader in. Ashley, they do have a long legacy of parts and builds, but they are still a huge part of moped racing today. Really? Yes. In fact, they race at MotoGP West every year. Well, jumping jalopies. Can I still wear my bowler? Damn it, Ashley. Hi, this is Jim. And this is Ashley. And this is Second Chance, a moped podcast. Welcome, everybody, to Monday. Oh, I did it. Joking, everyone. I want to say thank you again to Moped Monday Podcast for all the great things that they've had to say to us. And i am got a very special guest with us. We got a very known builder to the old guard of mopeds. Um, Devin recommended them. There were some... Uh, this is so weird doing this without Ashley. Ashley, we'll miss you. Um, I just want to thank everybody so much for the great response we've had and the feedback you've given us. Um, again, I can't thank Moped Monday enough. Um, if anybody wants to find us, which has been, I know, a challenge for a few people, we are on TuneIn, Spotify, Podcast Addict, SoundCloud. If you ever have any questions or want to give feedback, you can always email us at secondchancemoped at gmail.com. But yeah, I feel so lucky and privileged that you guys have chosen to spend an hour, hour and a half of your day with us so far. And joining us now in the second chance of Moped Podcast is, I believe it's Mike, isn't it? Hello. Hello. Hey, hi. How are we doing? Um, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to the folks that are out there that for the 45 people that might listen someday. <laughs> uh, my name is Mike Rafter. I'm from Sacramento. I'm a longtime moped nerd. And um, what business are we, we're here to talk about your moped story, but what business or have you been affiliated with in your moped life? Uh, well, a friend of mine and I just kind of lost our minds and ended up opening up a business called Motomatic Mopeds. Yes, this is a performance um, company I've heard whispers and hush tones about from the old guard for a couple <laughs> a couple years now, and I will admit I was a fanboy, and I my biggest thing in life, and has got me into a lot of cool opportunities where I've always just asked why, and I actually emailed you guys about a year ago trying to get one of your rear pulleys for a Hobbit, and you guys graciously got back to me and said no. Um, <laughs> It was, oh, it was man. more than that but um yeah so all right mike i'm gotta make my notes and all that good stuff um, oh yeah totally you're from burbank uh you i'm from is, uh, Sac i'm from sacramento sacramento i apologize um oh, you the layout of this is i don't know if you've listened to our other podcast but it's yeah i listened uh, to devon's i listened to devon's today i loved it it was great really enjoyed also, it well, awesome. It's always great when you have somebody full of knowledge to kind of feed off of. Um, but the format of this um, podcast is a positive platform of what happened, i.e. the first time you ever saw a moped, um, mm -hmm. what it was like kind of middle part of your moped career, and what it's like today. So I usually mm -hmm. start out with people and ask them, what is your first memory of a moped? Like the very first time you remember seeing a moped, not necessarily jumping on, but the first time you saw a moped. Uh, the first time I saw a moped was when my buddy Paul Norton rolled up to my old skate shop and he was riding a uh, Saks Columbia commuter. Um, he had his little bubble helmet on and he's an old skate buddy of mine. He rolled up and the bike was just totally bone stock going me and i looked and i saw that thing and i was like what is that thing it's not a bike it's not a motorcycle and um i was like let me ride it and i rode it three or four blocks and was like holy moly and immediately started searching i had to have one yeah so you got your smile ride in right away like we all do yeah man i just was I don't know what it was about it. I think uh, I've always been a tinkerer and I immediately recognized that the 
motor was all exposed and I was like, look at all the parts. You can see exactly what's happening on this bike. Like on all, you know exactly how it works right at a glance. And um, it just, it was just such a cool thing. My, my buddy Paul worked for 1-800-GOT-JUNK or one of those, or something similar where you pick up, you know, you get a big truck and you go haul stuff away and he ended up getting a couple of mopeds from, you know, picking up people's lots of stuff that they were throwing away and he had a few of them and then I searched Craigslist and called up uh, people in San Francisco that I heard might have some and eventually landed on getting, um, I got a Badavis Regency was my first bike. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I just, there's just a couple that popped up on, I think Facebook marketplace here and like, I always, yeah, I, I, such a i'm a weird redneck where i get very brand loyal where like I have oh really I, what's your what's get, your brand honda man like i just honda, got it yeah i got gifted a couple and like i've got a job in my basement but blah, enough about me more about you um okay. no, no no like uh, i i i'm in love with me so i'll talk about me this whole day <laughs> and people want to hear about you so yeah um, well we've we built a few hobbits that's for sure yeah, you guys make some pretty rad, um, rad bikes. Um, I have hardwoods all, hardwood floors all through my house, so like I hear echo. So I'm in my basement, and the dehumidifier kicked in, and I figured uh, yeah. this was high professional podcast we run here. Um, yeah, you don't you don't want to do too much editing, so you're right. Yeah, you're yeah. front. <laughs> um, so you got the Batavis. Um, was it a lot of people get mopeds i've i've heard so far they're not running was this bad running when you got it absolutely not <laughs> <laughs> yeah i bought it off a guy um kind of like you know 20 miles south of sacramento and threw it in my van got it home um you know did everything i could think to do i'm not i was never like um i never worked on a motor vehicle before but i was good at tinkering on other stuff electronics and you know household items so I just dove in and was like, okay, what's this supposed to do? What's that supposed to do? Got on the internet and um, I went to go, you know, I did everything I'm supposed to do. Clean the car, uh, make sure everything's battened down tight and has compression. And I got it to go and I got it to run for like, it would run for like a minute and then it would mm -hmm. stop. And I was like, damn, I can get it to run like once a day. And I was like, weird, what is that? And I ended up calling Myron's Mopeds in Los Angeles uh, because at that time, that was the only shop. It was, uh, it was really the only shop. I think 1977 mopeds might have been getting started around then. But uh, Myron's Mopeds was the only moped shop that I could find that did anything. And I, you call them, on, call them on the phone. You talk to uh, Sean. And I was like, hey, you know, I, I need to buy some parts for this Batavis. I mean, yeah, this, this Batavis. And I don't know what part I need. But my bike going, runs for about a minute. And then it stops. He goes, you need a new condenser. And I was like, whatever you say, man. <laughs> <laughs> and uh i the diagnose up... diagnostics over the phone is always fun so cool what an awesome dude what a huge part of um moped history sean at myron's mopeds was he just must have taken care of the majority of people forever up until uh you know up until a few other shops opened up really so cool what, guy. What, what year is this i always try to keep a little bit of a time frame going on um let's see <clears throat> i'm gonna guess 2008 2006 i'm gonna guess around 2006 or 2005 maybe it'll be around that, that time kind of, that kind of seems to be the recurring number from a lot of people especially i don't want to say old guard because like a lot of the people i've been interviewing are all around my age and a few in ashley's age so it's like it seems like a whole bunch of people rediscovered mopeds or found mopeds around the years of 2006 2005 somewhere in there so i just find that really awesome and just coincidental if you will so you yeah. got the you got the bad of us going um you get hold on i'm sorry for i, I don't mean to be putting words in your mouth you, you get told um by sean need to need a condenser you order the condenser did you have to do the money order thing or no i was able to pay him by phone it was fine awesome. i was able to pay him with a card over the phone he was great um my favorite thing about Sean is if you ask him too many questions, he, uh, he says, now, I would love to answer your questions, but I do run a busy shop. I can charge you per hour for advice, or I can sell you the part. 
you can try and if you fail then you can call me back and i was like wow what a service this guy offers like he'll literally walk you through it he'll but you got to pay for his time which is totally fair yeah i did Um, get it running um and like basically i didn't even have it running yet and i had already bought two more broken mopeds (laughs) it wasn't even done yet i got a samadhi city bike yeah i just kept i just I don't know. At the time, I had a skateboard shop that was uh, that was my business that I ran, mm-hmm. and um, we had enough room. So you know, I was stuck at the shop all day. You know, hanging out with kids, doing skater stuff, and uh, when it was slow, I would just tinker on mopeds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, that's that's rad. You did. Um, so you got you got the bet. You got it going. Um, you got your start. You the the addiction kind of kicks in. It sounds like, you know, it doesn't take long. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, so bone stock, what was that bike doing? 20, 25 or probably 28 or something. Yeah. Like just not, not quite 30. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. my next general question is, um, what's your first performance mod you did? Was um, it even to that bike though? Cause no, no, it wasn't. No, it wasn't to that bike. Definitely not. Um, I, within the course of a summer, I think I bought, I think I bought and sold somewhere around 13, 15 mopeds within like five or six months. I started buying them. I found them very easy to get them back up and running. And I started connecting with people in my community uh, from Moped Army and going on rides together and just having fun. And since I had the skate shop, I had like a place to put bikes. So every time one would show up on Craigslist or something, then if it was like, it was $200 or $300. If it was complete, I'm going to buy it. You know, if it was totally complete and it just didn't work, I'm going to buy it no matter what. Mm -hmm. So I would buy them and I just started stacking them in the skate shop. And before you know it, I was getting them running and they were for sale out in front of the skate shop. Like (laughs) just trying, like just trying to get these things running and get them back out. And people were buying them and some friends were buying them and we're just, just out there cruising. And it was so cool. The first performance mods that ended up happening in my little crew were, uh, we all kind of ended up with like Polini kits almost all at the same time. Okay. Uh, there was there was a guy in San Jose, which is about two and a half hours from Sacramento. A guy, he goes by West Coast Ben. He used to have West Coast mopeds, small moped shop um, in San Jose. He ran out of his like home garage or storage facility. Um, this guy, performance tuning wizard, super rad. First performance guy I ever talked to. Um, he dr- I, I met him through Moped Army. He drove up to Sacramento and would wow. install the Polini kits on our bikes out in front of my shop. He showed us how to do them, showed us the jetting, showed us like all the basics on keeping stuff straight and just was like, you know, told us all the rules on break-in. But he was a wild dude, so he also was like, or oh, you could just run it. Like, and it was always <laughs> really cool. Um, he was all about hobbits, too. He was – first hobbit I saw him ride, he rode a wheelie, like, awesome. immediately – <laughs> just yeah. immediately riding wheelies on hobbits and i so, imagine that was just a whole different world for you like what the? yeah we were tripping out so we had plenty kits was the first performance upgrades that we had and those were like plenty kits with bi turbos um i had a pinto a good friend of mine had another swinger um a couple pook maxis free spirit my good friend uh alan who i started riding with a lot he had a magnum um and basically everybody ended up with plenies and in no time like literally in no time maybe course of a couple months of us just hanging out we found that we really wanted to be moped army affiliated like we were like we're like we want to be an official gang of moped army we don't know what that means but we want that for sure like that sounds hilarious we want to be a part of it and that was was gonna be my question what like it sounds like you're kind of patient zero for your area um yeah my friend alan and i we were yeah yeah we were just like we had such fun together and we thought it was so ridiculous like going on these rides and you know, beeping our horns and weaving through traffic and just making, making noise. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so we got, we, we thought that we would be more well-received if we were, um, if we had a large crew. So we started really trying to like, who can hang, who can be in our gang, you know, and we accepted anybody. We were like, Hey, mm-hmm. you're cool, man. We're, we're not, we're not clicky. So if anyone will go on a few rides with us, you're in the gang, no problem. Awesome. Um, so we ended up like applying to be a Moped Army branch. I think we had ton of people we must have like close to 20 people or more um we applied uh you know there's like a waiting period on this shit and there was a uh, creatures the creatures were like a famous gang to us like in san francisco yeah. so 
first thing we said, we gonna, we gotta go meet, we gotta go ride with the creatures. They're fucking cool. <laughs> so we went. Uh, I met up with Harold and Lee and Graham from the creatures, and we're riding in San Francisco like it was a fucking video game. Yeah, I down hills, and jamming up hills, and I mean, some of the streets you can literally like jump off of because they're so steep, mm-hmm. so sick. Those guys were the wildest. So I feel like for the West Coast, the creatures were like that was that was the that was what we thought was cool about mopeds. Whatever the creatures were doing was what we thought was cool, and we were trying trying to do what they were doing, basically. Yeah, yeah, no, that's rad. Um, it's I was gonna ask um, what the you're you're awesome because like I, you're answering like all my questions I usually have to probe out of people. Like what was the <laughs> and I'm still learning how to freaking interview people, so I'm just uh, I'm just a simple blue collar guy. Um, you got it. Uh, so the scene's happening. Um, what, what year are we at when you're, when you have this crew together and you're applying to be a moped army affiliated? It's happening fast, man. We, I think we applied to be a branch within like six months of being a gang within 10 months of owning my first bike. I was all over it. I was like on the forums. Like I I think today you're all in. in. Yeah. 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 After after I listened to Devin's podcast today, I went on Moped Army because it used to say how long you were a member for. And I was wondering, how, when did I first log in? It doesn't show on the member profile anymore. But um, either that or maybe I wasn't all the way logged in. <laughs> I searched myself. <laughs> I probably should have logged in correctly. Um, but what I thought was really interesting um, is that we just had, it was like no time at all. Just boom. We were just going to do it um alan and i just were joking around and paul was joking around and we came up with a name for our gang we're called the land squids and the land okay. squids land squids were going to be the sacramento gang um and we were just we were all about it so the year probably 2006 2007 same year we got into it okay all right um so you've got this ragtag group of you're cool you ride you're not a bummer awesome come join us that is exactly awesome. And that's, that's, you know, for me, I'm like three years into moped-ish, um, and that's been my experience. Like, pretty much is like, dude, just, let's just ride, and just everybody's, everybody's been really friendly, really welcoming and open. Um, so, you're getting the crew together, you're applying to be a moped army branch. Um, yeah. Going to rallies just, now. Going, going to rallies. What are, so, what was your first rally you went to? Like, what was... Who's who were the hosts? What were the names? Are the first oh, memorable one? <clears throat> so I went to a bunch of rallies like right away. So I don't remember which one was first, but uh, it may have been a may have been a Seattle rally. I remember going to the Seattle rally, and that was Blood Drive. It was probably Blood Drive six or ten because they had been Moped Army forever. Um, we met people in Seattle and they were great and hospitable, like all Moped clans are. Yeah, um, just. I met Matt Smith up there and there was a moped shop up there called uh, Seattle Mopeds and <clears throat> loved that place. Super cool. Uh, Brendan Barron's was there. Um, Ariana, Kurt, Jihee, like oh, so many cool people up there. Uh, also went to the Creatures Rally, which I think was probably the same year. And the awesome thing about the Creatures Rally for us is it's only like an hour and a half drive away. It's in San Francisco, yeah. so it's really close. Um, once we were a gang, we made an agreement with the creatures that we would host a rally every other year so that, you know, people are coming to California. They're probably not going to come twice a year. Yep. So we would just that, trade it, off. That's been we, happening in the Midwest more now with some of the gangs out here. Like I know with the Casserolers and the Green Bastards, they kind of went in the agreement of every other year. And it, it makes for it makes for a better turnout. And, you know, a rally is a, it's a lot to do. <laughs> it's really a lot to do if you're gonna do it right it's a lot to do so yeah Yeah. creature rally was crazy i think um i mean they've had the they've had the biggest rallies i've ever seen i'm I'm pretty sure they had well over 300 people at one of them um and i recall riding through san francisco like through the middle of town and just splitting san francisco in half we had so many people that no cars could break us like nothing could (laughs) cops would like try and pull us over and the, the people would just keep going it was ridiculous and those guys know how to party. They like they get down. Yeah, I uh, was lucky enough to get out to San Francisco a couple times, um, racing carts, uh, street race stuff. Cool. And uh, I, 
I don't drink anymore, but I did drink a lot out there, and <laughs> it's, a, it's a good thing for myself. At least I don't drink anymore, we'll say that. Yeah, um, it can be a good time, for sure. Oh, definitely. I love going to moped rallies, though. Like you said, Me too. wild parties, people are awesome, people are fun, and yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, was, uh, I was listening to Devin's episode earlier today and, of course, really enjoying it, and one of the things he said that really stuck out to me was, He's like, I try and go to a moped rally, you know, once or twice a year. And I, I like showing up. And at this point, like, no one really knows who he is. And I'm also at that point. And not that mm-hmm. we're famous, because, like, there's no, there's no great fame in mopeds. But there's – you've provided a service for so long, right? Like, Devin's provided yes. a service for so long that yep. maybe, maybe 99% of people don't know what he looks like. But he's mm-hmm. done so much. You know, he's done so much. He's contacted so many people. Um, he's probably got, you know, 12,000 individual posts on Open Army. You know, like that, that information that he's provided is, is so critically large. Um, and the same thing happens to me and my friends. When we go to rallies now, we've been out of the scene for a while. We're, we're cool with our local scene, but we're not on the forums. Like we don't mm-hmm. like drill down and we're not as active, but we're active in our local, our local community. We've found what's important to us. So when we go and no one recognizes me it's fun to like see how many motomatic po- pipes are still alive how many are still on the bikes unbroken like how many are still up and running how many custom builds that we did that are like have been frankenstein into whatever they are now you know like we built these crazy bikes people got them running but it's a moped still like it's gonna need replacement stuff and it mm-hmm. changes hands again and again we built a bike for my buddy zach up in up in oregon and that bike's been passed around probably five or six people now. And I saw it at a race, like, well after, like, years after we built it. Yeah. And I, I just recognized the frame because Nate had done so much um, welding to the frame. I guess we mm-hmm. should talk about Motomatic a bit. But, that's, uh, that's what I was going to try to segue in. You talked about Devin and his company, MLM. And he brought up you guys. He, mm-hmm. You guys were before him making pipes. And I wanted to kind of transition. Like, how did you go from, you know, just getting a guy, random guy, um, to come up and show you how to put a Pelini kit on? To I need to make something. Like, I know that's a yeah. huge progression, but like, no, it's a good story of, too. It's yeah. actually a really good story. So let me start with the most important thing. Um, Motomatic is and always always really has been uh, Nate Keane, and Nate Keane is the performance wizard the welding guru the eye for detail the great design the big thinker um and he's the person that motomatic couldn't exist without Mm -hmm. um i come from a go-getter outgoing personality i'm going to talk to every stranger um i love weird marketing stuff i love you know i love sales i I just i love stupid stuff that's a little bit less fun to talk about yeah Um, but but Nate and I formed a relationship and um, I convinced him to move to Sacramento from <laughs> that, from like a town that was about an hour away. I said, Nate, we can start a moped shop. If I prove to you that I can give you weekly repair business through our crew, will you move to Sacramento? And mm-hmm. he says, well, I mean, let's see how we do. So I, everyone who needed a kit, anyone who needed work done, anyone who needed help, I was just like, hey, listen, Nate comes down on Saturdays. Uh, he works out of my garage. Um, you know, you pay him however much he needs to get paid to get it done. And Nate had been making amazing mopeds for years, and he never posted on Moped Army. He would read okay. Moped Army, but he would never contribute, and no one knew about these bikes that he was building. Yes. So um, I discovered Nate at a moped race in San, Francisco, in, uh, San Jose that Ben had put on, Ben from West Coast Mopeds had put on. Mm-hmm. So Ben said, we're going to have a race in San Jose and we're going to have a custom bike show. I was like, cool, I'm going to race. And when I got there and Nate had like 10 perfectly polished custom builds that <laughs> looked, they looked museum ready, like no dirt on them, no oil on them, no grease. So it's just like mm-hmm. these brilliant creations. Like just, I didn't even recognize what the bikes were. I was like, what was that? He's like, oh, that's a Pinto. Oh, it has a Modebacane fender. Then this has, you know, he's like, this wheel has parts from every different wheel on it. Like he just mixed stuff up, made it all look incredible. So from there, I was like, man, I got to get this guy to build me a bike. And this is before I knew anything or knew how to build anything. Yeah. So my relationship with Nate started with, I was a customer to him. 
yeah. like, hey, let's build a crazy bike. Here's kind of what I like. And he's like, this is what I like. And basically, uh, we came up with that bike that's on our website. It's uh, called Step Your Game Up. It's like a bat- black and white and red Batavis. Okay. I'm actually, so I'm going through like notes. I kind of, ha- I'm never really prepared because again, did I tell you? Okay. I'm, st- I'm, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you've heard of um, Moped Monday podcast. They're kind of the, mm-hmm. cr- they're the craft macaroni and cheese. We're kind of the home value stuff. You find a Walmart. Okay. That's, we're, we're, <laughs> we're the generic version. Those guys are the pros. And all but good. I'm just, hey, yeah. They, they never invited me on the show. So here we well, are. <laughs> I again that's that whole thing like I get myself into a lot of situations because I always ask the question why <laughs> so me and Nate hooked up um, I convinced Nate to move to Sacramento I convinced him that there was a market for his um, for his his knowledge with mopeds and eventually we ended up opening up a moped shop and we called it awesome. Motomatic Mopeds um, how did you come up with the name Motomatic uh, so we needed a name pretty quickly because we were we decided we were going to do a store and there is a, um, we were looking through some of the rare mopeds, some of the rare mm-hmm. moped brands, rare moped names. And there was a, um, I think there was a Motomatic, uh, I want to say, not a Carabella, but something similar. Man, I'm embarrassed I've forgotten, but there was a, there was a, Motom- there was a Motomatic moped out there. And it's one of the Italian ones. Um, mm-hmm. And I just loved the logo, and I figured I'd never seen it on any other bike. And I was like, what do you think about this, Nate? And we looked at it, and I'm like, yeah, let's just call it Motomatic Mopeds. <laughs> so we did that. Um, but to answer your question about how we started with pipes, yeah, we made a lot of cool bikes. Yeah, there's lots of cool parts that have been made. But really, I think what we're known for is the pipes that Nate created. Mm-hmm. Um, so Nate had an account with uh, 50CCNL, which is okay. a moped parts distributor in the Netherlands. Yep, I, I just learned about that through uh, Graham from the one of the co-founders oh, yeah, he, of the Cranks. He was, yeah, he probably ordered from them back in the day. Yeah. Um, so that used to be the only place to get performance parts. Mm-hmm. You used to be able to get like replacement parts, you know, through Myron's Mopeds or like Moped Warehouse, but performance parts, like the stuff that the racers did in Europe, mm-hmm. like metri- 50, uh, 80cc metric kits, that was on all of Nate's bikes. They're all cast iron 50cc metric kits with like 21 carbs. Um, and this was like on day one of mopeds, like he was so far ahead of the game. Um, so we all would do bulk orders through Nate. So we'd be like, Hey Nate, like I need this, I need this, I need this. And before you know it, we're making like $3,000 orders from 50 CCNL. <laughs> and when you order from them, you order online and then that shit's got to go on a boat and then it's got to go on another boat. And then it's going to sit in customs for you know however long. And this one time we waited all summer long for our performance parts and they never showed up oh. and they, like they must've got canceled or gone into customs and got stuck and got sent back. Um, sometimes you'd get, you'd order all this stuff and they'd send only what they had in stock. Even though you made this big order, they'd be like, Oh, out of stock, out of stock, out of stock. Yeah. So we were really crushing disappointed. We were so disappointed. We all thought we were going to have like 80 CC metric kits with, um, with home at like 8P pipes on them. We were waiting for these 8P pipes because they were the fastest pipes. We wanted to be the fastest gang. And I I was looking at Nate and I was looking at one of the old 8Ps that we had and I was like, Nate, I bet you could make that. I was like, I, I bet. With all the other shit that you make, I bet you can make that pipe. And he was like, huh. yeah, I bet I can make that. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then I think I had to push him and I was like, so make it, like make it. And he made a rough pipe yep cut it out of sheet metal uh, i think he used a header from another header from another pipe put it together it was rough i'm sure he still has it it's the first one um you know made it with this shitty mig welder in his garage and mm-hmm. um he probably cut all the cones with an angle grinder <laughs> probably yeah, like yeah, yeah. you know bang them together with a house hammer <laughs> um, but what happened is he made a copy of the uh the home at uh ap mm-hmm. and it worked and it worked just like the original so we were like okay well everyone was like when are you gonna make mine when are you gonna make mine <laughs> make me one make me one so at first he was like oh I'll make, you know, I'll make you one and it'll be like 80 bucks like i'll make you one for like 80 bucks it would take him like two days to like really make one and yeah he's making, no, making no money on it exactly um eventually once we had a dedicated shop space we were able to you know get a bandsaw get a sandblaster like get a tig welder um, we ended up getting everything we really needed to run a, a real business. And Nate got really, really good at producing these pipes. He was the, mm-hmm. 
he was the guy who did all of the physical labor of assembling it. So he would. No, um, these are E50 pipes for E50. These uh, are pipes for everything. Okay, Literally I was gonna say, how did everything. you like? Yeah, did you guys just start out with like the E50 platform, or did you move, or did, was it just balls of wall? We're, yeah, we're doing first... everybody's right now. Now, the first few pipes were E50s for sure because that's the most common bike, and that's mm -hmm. what our local – we were just selling them locally. That was it, just locally, yep. right? Um, once everybody had pipes and we started showing up to rallies with these pipes and Nate started figuring out how to improve on the design, um, then we started getting like, hey, I really want one of those. And when we realized that we're going to have a waiting list, we're like, well, how are we going to deal with the waiting list? Well, to deal with the waiting list, literally the best way to deal with the demand that you can't produce is to raise the price. So mm -hmm. we said, the people who are serious about this and can really pay for it are going to get a high quality product. We're going to take our time making them. Um, so they're 280 bucks. Yeah. For a, it's basically a custom pipe. Um, yeah. we, had, we had three or four designs. The most popular design ended up being our destroyer pipe. I've, um, heard, I've heard rumors of the destroyer pipe. Yep, the destroyer pipe is based on um, it's based on the uh, Doppler pipe for Motobacane and, and Show. Okay. Um, um, so it's based on that original design. Um, we started by making a copy of that, testing it out, and we found that on on non-variated bikes, the dimensions weren't quite right for optimal performance. So um, mm -hmm. we ended up going. We ended up taking bikes to the dyno. We did dyno testing. Um, yeah. We uh, changed the length, length and diameter of the header, uh, changed the length of the stinger. And I think it's amazing how much more power you can get out of parts of the pipe you wouldn't have thought mattered. Like you wouldn't think a stinger matters, right? That's just where the gas comes out. Mm, like that, peak, yeah. peak performance, yep. the fastest bike we ever worked with was um, one of Tony Simone's builds here. He was a, a partner of the shop. Um, okay. And Tony Simone had built a, a pipe with us and his stinger was like, it must've been like damn near two feet long. Wow. And now if, have you it, seen the new um, craze, the new pipe that's out? Um, Ryan go from the cranks has started to produce a pipe called crank pipes. I um, haven't. If it's not basically, if it's not on treats, I haven't seen it. Nope. And he's just selling them. I, I'll send you a picture. I've got it on my Hobbit. I won. I won one last summer, and he's yeah. got the waiting list. It's it's funny how you guys all talk because all of your guys' origin stories are pretty much the same. You know, mm -hmm. you start making a pipe, you like it, show up to a rally, everybody likes it, and then yep. all of a sudden, just balls <clears throat> the walls. We're busy. It's funny because awesome. we were we were at a few rallies, and of course we were pretty much at the front of the pack in all the rallies, regardless. Um, wherever we were, we would be, mm -hmm. it's always like the fastest guys in town are usually a part of that gang that's in that town. Yeah. Um, and then what we find is that different people that live in different like geographies, some people come to your rally and their jettings off because we don't have any moisture in the air in Sacramento, or maybe you're at a high elevation or low elevation or near the sea or in the desert. Like we're all these yep. different places. So we would come to these rallies and literally like be ready. We're like, okay, let's get there. We'll tune our bikes like, uh, you know, the day before. Like we'll yeah, tune yeah, in the yeah. minute. When do we get there? Like we want to have a good showing. Yeah. Want to be, <laughs> want to be the best. Like want to be the fastest because it's just fun. Um, and we just found that being the fastest was the most fun. Mm -hmm. And uh, you ended up making the faster you were, the more friends you made. Yeah. <laughs> I, everyone's come look at your bike and be, what's that what's that what's that i have noticed um right now like again i'm like three years in the scene and i've gotten to branch out a little bit in different rallies but like what i've noticed about midwest bikes for the most part mm -hmm. they're very clean like they're just everything's very organized versus like so like the smog squad in south Carolina. so i'm i screwed up north carolina south carolina i'm sorry mm -hmm. charlie buzzard um, they're into more like chopper style and just heavily uh, physically modified bikes. It's just I love to see the variations of different parts of the country. Like it just me too, man. And so there's no styles. wrong way to build a bike. There's no wrong yeah. way to build a bike, and it's just awesome, and it makes me happy. And I love to see the ingenuity of people in mopeds. But again, me I'm too, talking man. about me, and let's get back no, to I your story. <laughs> I totally agree, and that's one of the super fun things about having a shop. You get to serve. You get to like 
you get these projects that come at you and people have wild ideas about what they could possibly do. Um, I would say that the majority of people only needed a little bit of help from us. They had really good ideas. Um, they wanted to make it happen. So, you know, every now and then you end up helping somebody. <laughs> I get a preference by saying anyone hears this. Nate is Nate was the guy like Nate was the guy at our shop. Did I know how to do some shit? Sure. I, I can tune him up and I can make a fast bike for sure. Mm. But Nate is the fucking dude who like put a CDI on anything, make any <laughs> moped part, work with any other moped part. Yep. Um, it's like one of the first people that, that I ever saw put a KTM clutch in everything. Yeah, KTM mm-hmm. clutch put in every bike. Like, it's like, we'll figure it out. He was able to put, yeah. um, put CDI on every bike. He was the first person to like write a diagram for how to use like an HPI correctly and get it timed on your pook super easy. Um, just he had that shit set up in minutes. He's just freaking genius. Yeah, yeah. He he doesn't um, need he he can just jump from A to D. He doesn't need B and C is what you're saying. Seriously. And yeah. you know, he would he would be here would be here, but he's he does not he's not a public person. <laughs> like, hey dude. You he know. is really, really he keeps to himself. He's a quiet guy. Mm-hmm. He's uh he talks softly and carries a big moped. <laughs> <laughs> um I gotta I I love where the story's going. You got the shop. You're b- doing builds. I got. I'm gonna screw up the pronunciation because I have dyslexia, and so I can't read for shit. But yeah, tell me about the Sparato bike. Okay. Um. So there's a there's a beer company, and the beer company is called Sapporo. Sapporo. Um, there we go. I'm sorry. It's all good. Uh. So Sapporo is just a beer brand from Japan. Um, they were heavily, heavily trying to get out of the, we only sell our beer in sushi stores. Like they didn't want to just do sushi beer anymore. Um, so they, they hired a marketing company in the United States. Um, and that marketing company had all kinds of cool ideas for them. They did a lot of different promotions. And one of the promotions they did is they said, Hey, like, what if we create Sapporo brand, uh, mopeds because mopeds are like underground subculture that's a good place to put your product if you want it to grow you'll have creative people getting involved so Sapporo did a marketing campaign where uh when instagram first came out what you would in facebook what we do is they said take a if you want to win one of these bikes take a picture of your like Sapporo moment and your Sapporo moment would be like just what you're doing during the day that you enjoy when you can have a mm-hmm. beer uh, and they asked people to tag stuff hashtag Sapporo moment or whatever it was um, they came, the marketing company came to us, a cool, cool guy by the name of Rob, uh, I talked to, and, uh, he was like, Hey, we saw this bike on your website. We're wondering if you could make one like that. And we would do Sapporo branding on it. And I talked to Nate and, um, I had talked to Nate a bit and I was like, well, you know, it's hard to recreate a specific bike. Um, can't go buy all the parts, you know, it's not like you can throw that together, but we were interested. So we agreed to do, uh, one. Mm-hmm. And we agreed to do one at a certain price. And um, no sooner did we agree to do one and figure out how to do it. Uh, the guy called me again. He was like, well, can you do a few more? And I <laughs> talked to Nate and I was like, well, can we make, can we make exact replicas? If we're doing custom bikes, is it, do we even have the parts that we could do exact replica bikes? Yeah. And we were like, we could probably do a couple. Maybe we can do like three or four. So the guy calls back again. He's like, Hey, can you do 10? Hey, can you do 20? Hey, can you do 26? Like, and we just started saying yes. We were like, you know what? Let's see how far we can push it. Yeah. Um, with the help of uh, Benji at Treats, with the help of Dan at 77 Mopeds, we were able to source everything we needed to make what looked like brand new mopeds. They were all mm-hmm. identical. Um, the biggest challenge with those bikes was getting uh, the, um, the gas tanks for them. Okay. So you needed to get 26 of the same gas tank (laughs) and uh the gas tank we chose for the first one was a pacer Mm -hmm. and a pacer is really really rare by nature Mm -hmm. it's already a rare bike yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) where are we gonna you 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 see one (laughs) or two at a rally and that's it versus like the 45 hobbits that always show up i know so we had to source we had to source 26 pacer tanks. Um, we, we tapped every person in the world that we could tap to get pacer tanks. Um, Dan at 77 came through. He came through with, I think, maybe 20 of them for us. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and he got them from another moped place damn i'm forgetting the name of it there was another not moped warehouse but there's another big distributor that used to be on the east coast that dan would work with my brain's losing it but he was able to get a lot of tanks from them we didn't get a single pacer tank that didn't have three three or more dents on it yeah so I did uh, dent work on tanks for weeks. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it was crazy. Oh. And those now are... I'm really good at it now. Mm-hmm. Super good at it. Yeah. So we got all the tanks. Um, we were able to deliver all the bikes. And during that time that we were making them, uh, we had to like, we had to like really, really get our uh, our moped gang involved. So mm-hmm. um, Barry and Travis and Ryan and Alan and Serene and Troy. I mean, all of our homies showed up and nate was like here's how you make a wiring harness and like barry was making all the wiring harnesses and we basically had a production line um to make all these bikes and we delivered them on time they went all over the united states they were in grocery stores um some of them still pop up for sale every now and then i love seeing them they are always modified by the time they were for sale again they've got like that was, you know, that was a cool bars that's the question um my buddy i i haven't been doing too many asking people okay i'm having this guest on i want to ask a question I don't know if you ever heard the Nays kicked around Maze Diffley. Um, he St. Paul guy, really clean and good bike builder. Um, yeah. He asked he asked about the bike, so I'm like, well, no one's we'll ever really we'll... asked us. No one's asked us about them, really. I mean, like, what are they? Well, they're yeah. they're they're probably sixty percent Tomos, brand new Tomos parts. Mm-hmm. So Tomos wheels, Tomos forks, Tomos motors, Tomos brakes, Tomos controls. Yeah. Um, well, wait, no, not Tomos controls. Nate said that those are too plastic and shitty. Yeah, so no Tomos <laughs> controls. Um, no Tomos light. We could have saved a ton of money, and Nate was like, no, nah, that just won't look cool. We're not using everything that we get off the Tomos. So we bought a bunch of brand new Tomoses. We stripped them down for parts. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> by the way, if you need a Tomos frame, I'm sure that Nate has a plug. <laughs> 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 um, so yeah, we got them together. Nate built all the frames from scratch. Uh, I think he used the Tomos swing arms but he did okay. build the frames from scratch. Um, all of the pipes were the, uh, were the stock Tomos pipes because we, we didn't want to break any laws on something we're giving away for free. Yeah. Uh, that was a big one. <laughs> um, what else? What do you want to know about Sapporo bikes? I, I was just wondering what the origin was because like literally about 20 minutes before our interview, I just hit ah. Maze up. I'm like, got any questions? He's like, where can I? The question is, where can he, where can he get one? That was his mm. question, but it sounds probably like... on probably eBay someday. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> awesome, yeah, they awesome. were fun. They were fun. We tested the shit out of them too. We like we we were so scared that some non moped person was going to get injured on one, and we were going to be like liable for something. We were really really picky about how they went out. Yeah, I that's that's some of the reason why I never feel comfortable selling a moped because it's like. I was I was in a pretty bad accident a few years ago on a moped. Oh yeah, it, yeah. But you know whatever. It's not really. Um, so you built those bikes. Um, you're building pipes. And how did that Hobbit rear pulley come into play? Like that that was because that was my first real thing. I, you know, you go to like a local meetup, especially mm-hmm. the casserolers. They do a Thursday meetup, and like it's not just them. It's like anybody in the mo- anybody can come and anybody yeah. can ride. And yeah. I noticed a few guys like who had bikes on the hot the, the subframe on the honda platform mm-hmm. and i saw they had a rear pulley that looked totally different than me and they mm-hmm. you know i was just a nobody and they're like ah you don't need to worry about that yet and then i asked somebody and they told me all about it and i'm like well, so as ex- as you might expect um all the performance stuff that was ever created came from our our background in racing mm-hmm. um so we had a race team nate was all about helping guys build race bikes um he didn't ever race and he always kind of wanted to but he put his own bikes on the back burner to get our race team's bikes done um so tony simone was the first person or uh tommy erst and tony simone were both racing uh, hobbit platforms and uh nate and tony started experimenting with uh with rear pulleys what could be Mm -hmm. done what could Mm -hmm. be adapted what could be made what could you take from a scooter what could you take from existing parts what can you put together um so it just so happens when you find a winning combo of existing parts and they need a little bit of machining to like make them work harmoniously. Uh, mm-hmm. That's basically the way to go. So Nate was able to source parts that could create that Hobbit rear pulley. Um, mm-hmm. 
And if I remember correctly, it was crowd tested, crowd approved. So yeah. um, Nate doesn't ride Hobbit, but <laughs> um, he knows how to make power from a Hobbit and he's damn good machinist. Yeah. So he was like, you know what you need back there? You need a different diameter. Like if we can get a different <laughs> diameter, you can get more speed. Yep. So Changes that's kind of ratio. Yep. That's where it came from. And then people just demanded it just like the pipes. You see it, you see it's possible. Do you want it? Uh, and I believe that he had help finding, uh, sourcing all the parts, probably through Benji. Okay. Okay. Yep. Um, that, and, that, and I don't want to wrap this up too quickly by any means, but that, that kind of comes into my next question. How come a limited run of parts? Um, so think of it as a limited run business. This is not okay. just the parts. Um, it's more about just life's circumstances. And uh, by the time we were completing the Sapporo builds, I was going through a lot of changes in my life, um, going through a big breakup, lived, you know, moved out of a house with someone I've been with for a long time, was living, living with folks, um, you know, just living with friends. And I was at a point where I was like, man, like I'm barely making enough money to survive at the shop. Like I need to take mm -hmm. on another job. And mm -hmm. um, I ended up getting a job at Apple, which was great. Um, started work for Apple and I wasn't able to dedicate as much time to the shop. So I was working at Apple by day and go to the shop at night and, you know, I'm tired, I work eight hours <laughs> and then I go work another four hours and it's midnight and I'm powder coating pipes and like building Sporo bikes and everyone's gone for the day for the shop. I'm just there by myself, like trying to like do my part and like fix tanks. So eventually I just told Nate, I was like, Hey man, I'm burnt. Like I want to get these Sporo bikes finished. And I just, uh, I'm going to hand over my keys to the shop. You'll be the sole proprietor. Um, you can have everything we've amassed. Like, like just, just run the shop however best you can. Maybe you can make a buck being here, mm -hmm. you know, without two of us drawing a salary off of it. Maybe you can actually make some money. Yeah. Um, so I stepped away from the shop, started working hard on my career. Um, and Nate's just, Nate just went to town, you know, for an, the next two years, he just worked and worked and worked and worked. And, and what, what, what time he, frame is this? Like, this is 2000, uh, 2011 is okay. when I, when I kind of turned in my keys and was like, man, I can't do this as a business anymore. Like I need health insurance. I need, you know, I need a steady paycheck. I'm drowning. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. um, I took the real, I took the corporate job and Nate stuck with the shop. Um, Nate had, uh, he had a hell of a work ethic. He worked okay. his ass off. He was working alone. Um, he didn't have help that he needed. Uh, he's uncompromising and, he never felt like um, he never felt like anyone else. He didn't feel like he could train someone to make the pipes with him. He didn't feel like he could train someone to service bikes that came in. And uh, he just wanted to run the show on his own, which is, I totally, I totally appreciate. It's totally fine. He's absolutely right. No one is ever going to be as picky or as like perfectionist as, as him on letting stuff go out the door. Especially so if he has his name on it exactly and that was it it was about he's like hey these are custom handmade in california like we i i begged him i was like hey like benji's got a hookup in the europe that can make these they can reproduce them like let's get them made and nate was like nope <laughs> nope <laughs> we're not about yep. it we're not about it they're gonna come with booger welds the headers aren't gonna be right they're gonna we're gonna be having to replace them people are gonna be sending them back we're gonna have warranty repairs he was like no so um we didn't do it um, and Nate worked his ass off. Nate worked so hard that he ended up injuring his back. Aww. And um, it was a pretty serious herniated disc. He wasn't able to work for a couple months. He's laying on his back. So at that point, if you have no income and you got rent to pay at a shop, mm -hmm. um, what ended up happening is, of course, he had to close the business. Um, what was a great save for us is that our moped community bought all the tools bought yeah. all the inventory bought all the parts um and they rented a new spot and um it's a co-op garage that me and six other guys we i'm now a part of i wasn't a part of for years but i'm now a part of all of our original tools are at the shop so That's now i so go in awesome. there everything's right how i right how i always used to have it um yep. Nate comes and goes as he pleases um and it's just not a business anymore. So as people ask him to create pipes, he's like, Hey, I got a full-time job now. Um, I got two kids now. I'm not banging out pipes for you. Like it's, yeah. it's too much, it's too much labor and, and there's not enough, um, not enough reward to really get it done. He would rather build stuff for his friends. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, yep. 
no, and that's that's rad. That's just uh, a rad evolution of how, and and you've very condensed timeline there. How it, it is a very happened. condensed timeline. Yeah. Yeah. No, dude. It really it's to, it's and again, I I I wanted to do this podcast for people like me, basically, who don't yeah. know the history and who it sure is out there on um, MA here and there, bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm lazy at research at times. Um, yeah <laughs> i mean i'll be the first one to admit that um so and that kind of brings us up to modern day like what yeah. is what is what's your average week of mopeds like um well i do want to say that motomatic uh does still exist in some form so mm-hmm. motomatic as a business is over but motomatic matic is a race team and the race team consists of everybody who uh has our co-op shop so uh barry okay. torno Matt Miller. What's the co- um, what's the what's the name of the co-op shop? Is it Land Squids or like? No, it's not even. It's basically it's just a private garage in a in a okay. commercial area that we rent. It's not a business. It's not open for people to come to. Uh, mm-hmm. If if you're paying a monthly fee, you get a key. <laughs> <That's> okay. <it. laughs> so uh, we all pool our resources to have everything we need there. We're well more equipped there than we ever were at Motomatic Mopeds. This the shop like. I, all the guys have advanced so dramatically like everyone's got oh, there's, there's a huge there's a huge lathe in there now and there's like mm-hmm. a, there's like a crazy i don't know what access mills in there there's all kinds <laughs> of shit in there um so yeah it's just our place and then motomatic as a as a race team is is again just for fun like uh tyler brecky uh barry turno um dave mazora matt miller chad nate really anyone who wants to roll with us um Anyone who's coming in to build a race bike, you're, you're, you're down. You're down with the team. Um, and we have our uh, basically a yearly race in, in the Sacramento area whenever we yes. can. It's canceled this year due to the pandemic, but we'll have it back as soon as we can have it back. Um, and we rent, a, you know, we rent out a cart track for the weekend, and we smash the cart track. And um, <laughs> depending on the weather, maybe it's a time trial. Maybe it's a full blaster. Or who knows what? But yeah, people I, come I, out. No, no, I was going to say, we got some Midwest guys that go out there. I know uh, Shane Johnson goes out there every year. Uh, he comes out and Ed's... kills everybody every year. <laughs> comes out and smashes on fools. And <laughs> just absolutely smashes fools. Yeah, Shane, Shane Johnson is, um, he's at fault for really giving me my heavy performance smile ride. Because it was, um, I happened to run in the castle rollers during Brap Tales. And then I met, they, I said, everybody's welcome at HQ. And Shane didn't know me more than two minutes. You want to jump on my black Hobbit and give it a rip? Okay. I jump on it. I'm just like smiles for days. So so good, man. So good. I I love it. So awesome about the moped community. Um, So like we, like now, like my involvement with mopeds is, um, you know, I love being at the shop when the guys are there and like, I love lending a hand or lending advice for all the history I have. Um, I've been much more riding motorcycles over the past couple of years. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I work on my motorcycles at the shop. I work on mopeds. I always have at least one moped project. In fact, right now, my phone is sitting on uh, like a, UP- a UPS Magnum that I've been working on. Oh, <laughs> shit, son. That's so <laughs> awesome. Sweet. Yeah. Sweet. So that's, that's, my current, that's my current one that I'm working on. Um, I have a Yamaha g5 gs5 or something behind me that i'm working on um nice. got another magnum at the shop i'm working on there's always something always some kind yeah. of bike and right now this bike's going to be built for me and my girlfriend to to cruise around on um but i you know i just i love my i love my little town and i love my community here it's just everyone's so down we got <laughs> a wild group of kids riding mopeds man like they've they've been doing more than we've ever done like they're yeah. way they're all about it and that's that's the awesome thing about it. Um, hearing from the more first generation of mopeders like yourself, and you're the second first generation, if you will, because you know you had the initial boom of it for, in the '70s, but you guys are the ones who brought in the performance, the early days of performance parts. And now I hear from people like yourself and others saying, like, now what people are doing is just unbelievable. Like I had this yeah. kid. Like next week's uh, Thursday is Graham from the Cranks, and then that's cool. Ne- the next week is is um, Josh kid who is just 
his machining and what he do, has done to a hobbit is just unbelievable. He's out of Michigan and just pretty much done it himself. And the form so good, and, man. Well, yeah. you know, we didn't have as many internet resources uh, mm-hmm. 10 or 12 years ago as we do now. Like now yes. you want to, you want to learn how to weld. Like you got a great tutorial, any, anywhere you want to look, you can watch stuff, you can get examples. Um, yeah, we had the internet when we got started, but not at all to the degree. Like we didn't even have YouTube when we got started. Like YouTube no. wasn't a thing yet. Like, so we were just figuring shit out on Moped Army, forum threads only, still pictures only, you know, word of mouth. Now these folks, like, there's no limit. And they get to pull inspiration from the motorcycle scene, the, mm-hmm. um, you know, like, I've seen people pull crazy inspiration from all these different all these different walks of life and all these different styles. And I love seeing the variety of things that people do. It's one of the best things is you get to customize it to however you want. If it looks yeah. bananas, it's even better. yeah. No, it's, it's, it's pretty rad what's out there. And I'm just, you know, my, my foot's just in the water, as I always tell um, my, co- my co-host, Ashley, who was going to be able to with us tonight. Like, you, um, you, can't, you can't be half pregnant on this. Like, you're either all the way or all are. Well, people, people like, they, they might get a moped, try it. It's not for them. They're out. And yep. everyone else is, like, forever. Yep. <laughs> yeah. You're in and out or you're fucking in forever. Yeah. It's insane. Um, I do want to give credit due, man, where it is. Like like early times for me, um, Myron's mopeds helped me with so many bikes. Um, Nate helped me with so many bikes. Um, Graham and Lee from the Creatures like exposed me to like what the community is like and like how to build how to build a strong group of people that support each other and have a good time. Um Dan at 77 Mopeds is so far ahead of everyone, like getting the getting moped shit started and supported. And I know that uh, he's struggled on and off throughout the years. And and I know that, you know, people have, you know, people have big expectations of small business, but that Mm -hmm. dude is responsible for some good times in my life, man. Yeah, absolutely. Good times. Um, Benji from treats jimmy from treats dave from treats like man those dudes they have been a lifeblood for so yes. many people for so many years now and they have proved that they're in it for the long haul i mean who makes shitty parts available like they make shitty parts available like shit that nobody wants and it's it's like they they're like oh we'll just have the the cable holder part like on the website with a hilarious description and i read treats i don't even need anything i'll go in there i'll read descriptions (laughs) (laughs) crack up laughing dude they write the best copy on their website and they just keep it fun um no one's ever been as generous as the treats corporation they've taken care of us they've taken care of us in ways that i would never expect someone to they've given back in ways that no one's given back yeah yeah no it's um pretty rad how friendly they are to the new people i can say yep. that from personal experience and how gracious they are about allowing people to add on to orders after 10 minutes when they realize they need one more thing it's like <laughs> there's always that thing you mean one more thing it's like, oh so, my god i forgot it so i ordered i ordered jets mm-hmm. twice last week <laughs> so i ordered jets twice i ordered uh and i'm i second time i ordered them I read the description and it was like, or no, it was a review. It was, one of the reviews said, "Jets, buy these and then buy more and then buy more in a couple of days because you bought the wrong ones." And I was like, "Shit, that's what I'm doing right now. I've been in this shit for ten plus years and I still don't know if I need a seventy-eight or a seventy-nine. Yeah, and just buy four of everything and you're you're probably gonna be safer off. That's kind of yeah. kind of yeah, been my totally. experience." Yep, I always buy the longest length of chain that they'll sell me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You need I'm one a... of that, just buy four. You'll you'll thank yeah. yourself, especially especially being in Minnesota where it takes about still four days to get it. But you know oh, you I'm want spoiled. it now. I'm you guys are. I, get, I get one day, one day. Oh, yes, I've, Re- I've had... regular regular mail one day. Mm, you get you guys are pretty lucky out there. You've probably been in a t-shirt for months. We're I've been in a t-shirt start... for a while, man. Yeah, we're finally yeah. getting t-shirt weather again in Minnesota. Um, yeah, Mike, I gotta thank you so much for coming on and taking a risk on a no no name moped guy oh, like yeah. myself. Well, um, most of us are no name, and I would I would I would say at this point I'm no name. <laughs> Nobody oh, no, could dude. know me at this point. 
Right on, right on, man. All right, cool. Mike. Uh, well, if anyone's listening to this, go back and listen to Devin's. Devin's got a killer story to tell. Um, definitely check it out. I can't wait to go listen to Simon's. Simon is like one of the OG OGs, and I can't wait to hear what he has to say as well. I, I appreciate you digging up all this history and letting yeah. us share it. Well, Devin might be making a comeback on a second episode. Um, Sweet. We'll see, and maybe we'll have you – if I can think of some more questions someday, maybe get you on a second round. Dude, have um, me and Devin together and we'll wrap. Oh, geez. That'll just, I'll just lay out for about two hours and walk away. And okay, it's still recording. Let you guys just we'll, talk we'll about the old out. days. Yeah, I can, I can, hell yeah, dude. I'll love I the can, hell out of it. I can't, I can, we can share the stories of uh, filming, filming his, one of his companies, like one of his like launches a long time ago. We filmed on the beach in Michigan in winter with ice in the sand. It was sick. <laughs> so crazy so crazy but yes it was really great to meet you man thank you so much for having me and everybody hey. listen to all these podcasts man he's doing a great job yeah thank you so much again mike all right homie take care take it shout out to all of our listeners in belgium we see you guys